0: Good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight. trust you're having a a good week. Good to uh, assemble around the Word of God once again. And we are in Colossians chapter 3, actually 4. We moved on from chapter 3. We're in chapter 4. And uh, verses uh, 2 through 6 tonight, Colossians uh, 4, 2 through 6. The new man's prayer life and witness is what I've titled this. So, Let's go ahead and uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word now. Minister to our hearts as we study together. Give me grace to teach accurately and clearly. And again, we thank you for each one that's here. Pray for the Awana orientation that's going on tonight too, that that would go well and and we'd be well prepared as we uh, look at uh, the start of the ministry next week. Uh, Lord, again, we thank you for your word. Minister to our hearts as we study together. Pray in Christ's name, amen. Alright, well, uh, we note the theme is the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That's really the first half of the book, chapter 1, emphasizing this, the supremacy of Christ. The, chapter 2, the sufficiency of Christ. And then, with our identity in Christ being emphasized in chapter 3, <clears throat> he then emphasizes how we should then live. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have a couple of key verses in the New Testament there in chapter 3. Verse 17 whatever you do in word or indeed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So do everything for Jesus, whatever you do. And then you come down to uh, verse 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. So again, a double emphasis in this chapter on whatever you do, uh, do it for the Lord. I mean, the Lord is the center point of the believer's life. Uh, Everything we're doing is to be for him. Well, Again, with uh, our identity found in Jesus Christ, and he's emphasizing, you know, we died with Christ, we live with Christ, and we find our identity in the, in the risen Christ. And uh, so then, how should we then live? Well, he emphasizes uh, husbands and wives, how they should live, how they should relate to one another. And then he emphasizes in relationship to the children, and then in relationship to the workplace, we might call it, or the slaves, the so slaves, workplace for the slaves often was in, on the home front there application broader than that, but emphasis with the slaves. And then also to the, the bosses, the masters, has a word to say them, to them too as we get into chapter 4 and verse 1. The bottom line is this, uh, change lives are to demonstrate themse- itself uh, most clearly probably in the relationships of life. I mean, this is how you see changed lives. It affects how you relate to other people. And uh, so note uh, what we see as an overview here. Uh, The family of Christ relationships, one another. This this whole section is really dealing with the one another relationships of life. The family of Christ. And as I say, the husband-wife relationship is zeroed in on. Child-parent relationship. Slave-master, employee-employer relationship by way of application. And then uh, tonight, the believer-unbeliever relationship. To finish it out here. So uh, that's what we're really going to talk about. It's interesting, he doesn't say after you get saved, head for a monastery, take a vow of silence and never talk to anybody again, right? That's not what we're supposed to do. Really, uh, how we then live should affect all the relationships of life, as we have already mentioned, and including how we relate to the unbeliever. And in fact, one of the most challenging things for the believer can be the unbelievers. You know, they are Satan's children. They're not here to make our life easier, right? They, they will, you know, as Christ said, the, the world will hate you. And so there, there's challenges there, but how are we to respond? Well, that's what he's going to bring out as we go along. But he starts out with prayer. As we think about this last concluding section, a tremendous emphasis on prayer here. So let's have somebody read uh, verse uh, three, uh, 2 and uh, 3 for us. Who wants to read 2 and 3? Yeah, John. I saw your hand first. Two and three, two and three. four. Chapter of Colossians four, two and three. And verse four, two. Why don't you? Yeah. Thanks. We don't want to cut him off mid sentence. All right. Thank you, John. All right. So he says, uh, "Continue earnestly in prayer." Prayer is a general word; just simply means to talk to God. Um, all kinds of different prayers, but uh, so he's using a, a general word here that simply means to communicate to God. And uh, we talk to God in prayer. Prayer emphasizes dependence upon God. Uh, we need God, and we're communicating that. Uh, our whole life is dependent upon God, and especially as we think about in relation to relationships. That's the context here. Uh, How do we handle the relationships of life? Well, handle them with prayer. Uh, Prayer is tucked right in the middle of this whole conversation on the issue of relationships. And we need prayer uh, in that regard. How should we pray? Notice he says continue earnestly. That is the idea of of in a devoted way, uh, where it's a priority, it's sincere, And uh, so we are to continue earnestly in prayer. We're to be sincere in our prayer life. Being vigilant. The word vigilant is the idea of being awake, uh, to be watchful or alert. Uh, This is uh, the idea, uh, a word that would be used in in context of danger. There's danger, so you're you're watching. And uh, it's a a word that is consistent with spiritual warfare. Uh, We're in a war, so we are to be watching through prayer. And, uh, you know, Paul in that section in Ephesians 6.18 on spiritual warfare uh, concludes it with this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this, this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So again, connects watchful with praying always in all prayer um, in the context of uh, spiritual warfare. So, uh, continue earnestly in prayer, being, being vigilant. We need to pray. Pray about our relationships, all the relationships of life, whether it's in the home, uh, whether it's uh, now in this case in relationship to unbelievers. But uh, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, we need to be praying, but in our prayers, they should be saturated with thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, and uh, so really, I think the attitude is what's being talked about here in prayer. An attitude of gratitude. Uh, our our prayer lives are to be colored with Thanksgiving, and I think uh, the spirit-filled life, the spirit-filled prayer life, is uh, marked with Thanksgiving. I was thinking about this, you know, and uh, you know, I was thinking about Marianne. She's not here, so we'll talk about her tonight. Ma- Michael, you can't tell her thing here, but uh, you know, after she had her brain surgery, uh, you know, I think as a spirit-filled believer, even when you go through some of the toughest times and difficult times. Uh, you still come through with a thanksgiving attitude. I see that here. She says, update, I want to give praise and thanks to the Lord for being with me uh, during this recent hospital stay and surgery. He is always with me. I'm humbled and overwhelmed at those who have been praying for me. Thank you so much. Again, many thanks for your prayers, concern, friendship, and encouragement. She says other things, but in this little short update, she says thanks three times. You know, he just has this thankful spirit, which is, uh, I think, indicative of a, of a spirit-filled attitude. Uh, when you think about praying with thanksgiving, uh, what do we have to be thankful for in particular? Can you think of anything? Yeah. because that that to be with that skill. Right. Right. Well, that's just it. And, and really, that was you're absolutely right. And that's kind of my point in bringing Marianne up here, too. Who has brain surgery and comes through this without, without a complaint, you know, and just full of thanksgiving for everything here? Uh, I mean, that's a, and that should be our attitude, no matter what we're going through. Here he is in prison, and he's saying, hey, give thanks. And as we will see, i got a slide here somewhere uh, where this is a dominant theme in this prison epistle. Yeah. Yep. Right. The Lord and we'll Amen. That's a great great point. Uh that's something to always be thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. He's promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can always be thankful for his presence, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tend to look at the big picture bit, no matter how bad it gets, I know Well, amen. That is There's no offense to about it. That's that's no what you go And I think you share that with Paul. Paul was always looking at the big picture here. Uh, all things are working together for good ultimately. Might not look like it in the narrow tunnel vision but if you could see the big picture yeah yeah lots of things uh, we could we could mention uh, all the promises of god you know all the good things that we have his his presence his power uh, all of these different things there's always something to be thankful for yeah yeah That is so good. Amen. It does change your focus. And he's saying, maintain a thankful focus. Yeah, really, I think that, and that's key kind of to a powerful prayer life here. I mean, otherwise you end up almost constantly complaining <laughs> to God about this or that or the other thing. Not that there aren't uh, plaintive uh, psalms. You know, there are things where you do kind of pour out your struggles and even your complaints to the Lord in that sense. But uh, certainly uh, with thanksgiving here, as he emphasizes. Anyone else? Yes, Dwayne. Yeah, amen. That's great. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, Of all the people who should be thankful, it should be us. I've often said our testimony should just shine in thanksgiving. Just that we're always a thankful people, always something to be thankful for. So, praise the Lord. Uh, It's easy to lose focus, though. You know, the world's constantly, you know, ringing its little bell over here. (laughs) We take a look over there. We tend to get discouraged and depressed and down. Uh, We need to keep our focus on things above, as he says in chapter 3, not on things on the earth. All right. Very good. Uh, I think this is where that slide was. Let me bring up this slide here. In this little letter, the theme of thanksgiving is prominent. In 112, we are to be thankful for our spiritual inheritance, in two seven, thanksgiving is for spiritual growth. In three fifteen, thanksgiving for fe- the fellowship of the body. In three seventeen, thanksgiving is for the opportunity to serve. And here in four two, that thanksgiving is to saturate our prayer lives. So, as I say, uh, all the way through this epistle, we have this emphasis on thanksgiving, and now here in reference to prayer. All right, uh, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it uh, with thanksgiving. And then he says, meanwhile, praying also for us. So he has a specific emphasis here. Uh, in general, be vigilant in your prayer life with thanksgiving. But uh, also specifically, meanwhile, praying also for us. Uh, specific people, specific prayer requests for these specific people. Now, he doesn't ask selfishly. He doesn't present a laundry list of You know, pray that I could. You know, somebody ride up with a white stallion, and I'd be able to get on it right away into the sunset. Here, it doesn't say. You know, the food's bad here. Please pray about that. None of those things. Uh, Really, his whole emphasis here is on the mission, on the ministry of the word, the gospel. Uh, This was what Paul was all about in his concern. And so he says here in verse three that God would open to us a door for the word that God would open to us a door for the word. Uh, note the emphasis there. God opens doors. What are doors? We got two doors at the back. What? Huh? Is that an entry point? Yeah. And uh, when he's praying for God to open doors, what, what kind of doors, what kind of entry point are we talking about? Yeah. Opportunities right? Opportunities to share the gospel. That's really what we're talking about. An open door is an opportunity uh, to, to share the gospel. And nobody just makes it happen. You say, boy, we're just going to go out and we're going to make it happen. Paul didn't see it that way, that God would open a door for the word. We don't make it happen. God presents divine appointments. God is the one who opens doors. You say, boy, just really you've got a powerful guy out here. He's back. No, no, we got a powerful God. Uh, He makes it happen. And uh, so our part is to pray. And again, prayer is dependence upon God, that God would open the doors. And so we want want to pray. You know, the church was born out of a prayer meeting, right? When was the church born? Acts chapter 2. What was happening in Acts chapter 1? They were praying. And then we have them praying again for boldness in chapter 4. And the place is shaken. And they are filled with boldness. And they go out and preach the word. And then we come to, to uh, Acts chapter 13. Uh, the missionaries are sent out. And they are sent out with prayer. So you see prayer saturating everything that the, the church is about in the, in the early church there. And here we see that. That God would open to us a door. Uh, and what for? For the word. For the word. Not, not merely uh, that God would open a door where I could have a few more friends. Uh, you know, so we could have some contacts. Uh, n- no, he wants a, an open door for the word to sh- be able to share the word, and that's the opportunity that he's he's desiring. Sometimes a closed door will later open, and vice versa. On his second missionary journey, uh, uh, second missionary journey, Ephesus in Asia was a closed door to Paul. However, on his third missionary journey, concerning the same area. Paul said, a great and effective door has opened to me. So the point is that God is the one in charge of doors. We pray and he opens doors according to his will and timing. I think that's an interesting example because earlier that door was closed and then it was a great door. God opened it. Yeah. (laughs) We need to check to see if the door is open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: right. Yeah, you've got to wonder how much faith is in those prayers if you're never leaving your room, right? I mean, you need to pray trusting God to open the doors and, and then check the doors. Yeah, that's what I always say too. Yeah. Yeah, for me, most things <laughs> is what open and because I not them Turn on the knob gently. <laughs> Don't knock the door down. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> there's there's probably a balance in everything, uh, but I would say Mac, even you sometimes know when you're talking to a neighbor and he shuts you down. Obviously, that's a closed door. Yeah. You know, we, we so we do we do know as we go along, but I think the balance is there. Uh, some people are so afraid to ever, even check the door. They never ever bring it up. They never say anything. And Paul will get to this. He's asking prayer for boldness. And I always encourage it. Paul asks prayer for boldness. I need prayer for boldness too. Okay. Um, so uh, God opens and closes doors. And he's, open, he's asking, uh, praying, uh, praying also, or asking prayer, that God would open uh, to us a door for the word. You know, there's a little bit of irony here. Uh, Paul, where was he at at this point as he's asking prayer for open doors? (laughs) Prison. He's not talking about prison doors here, really. He's talking about open doors to share the gospel. And, of course, he had a very effective prison ministry. For two years, he was sharing the, the gospel with everybody in Ephesus that wanted to hear there. And with the prison guards and so forth. Uh, So God certainly did answer that prayer in a big way. But a little bit of irony as he is uh, asking for open doors uh, for the gospel from prison. And it's kind of like, you know, we think this is probably not a place uh, where there's going to be a lot of open doors. Well, Paul didn't see it that way. He's praying uh, that God would open uh, a door for the word. Um, And to do what specifically? To speak the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? It is the gospel. And, and what is the emphasis in the New Testament with Paul and the gospel? When he talks about especially this idea of the mystery of Christ. Yeah, that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs. That they would now be on an equal footing. You know, this gospel is for, for everybody. And he, and he makes that emphasis. Uh, we saw this back in chapter 1. Uh, 26, 27, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations has now been revealed to his saints. What is this mystery? Uh, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So uh, he describes it here as Christ in you, the hope of glory, but including the Gentiles here. And so that that was a new that was a new thing, a mystery that had not previously been revealed. But now the Gentiles are on equal spiritual uh, footing with believing uh, Jews. And uh, he says, "Then uh, for which I am also in chains." Uh, what got him in trouble? Well, it was this message concerning the mystery of Christ. Uh, do you remember what got him in chains? That ended him. Uh, ended. Uh, with him here being in prison here? How, how do you get in trouble here? Remember how that happened? Well, that's true. But before that, here's what, in Acts chapter uh, 22, uh, Paul is sharing with these, you know, Jews who were formed a mob, and he's asking to speak to them. And so he does speak to them, and, and they're listening very quietly, you know, as far as his, his life and how the Lord has worked in his life. And it says here. Then he's talking about the Lord, and then he said to me, "Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles." And they listened to him until this word, that word, Gentiles. That's why he's in prison. Uh, and they raised their voice, said, "Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. He needs to die." And this began a process of him working through the channels in the Roman government to where he ends up in Rome, in a Roman prison. And so I think that's what he's talking about when he says, uh, for which I am also in chains. It was because of this message related to the mystery of Christ that includes the Gentiles that he is now currently in a Roman prison setting motion uh, where he was at this point. Okay, any other thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sure. Thinking, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, all eating, about open doors, uh, You know, something that I've the last uh, of days is now that i really you know. got more time to think. <laughs> yeah, that's a new concept. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. But, you know, what I was my, uh, my work was my of mm, uh, so Yeah. Sure. you know, each one of us has a Yeah. this is a I have okay, I'm a person, do I find What I need to do find i for example, I like to Yeah, I mean that's that's good. Good to good to think through that. Yeah, yeah. So to, to, to kind of address that, it's one of the things that I did was, and Marj did this with me. Like we went out and we played pickleball. So yep. old group of people that range mm-hmm. from forty to eighty. Like, That's that not poor, huh? <laughs> He's just messing with you. Oh, that, that played pickleball. Yeah. And then I'm a member of a gym, so you get to you get to talk to people there. So yeah. certainly is as hard as you go. (laughs) I know you've wanted to take me out, but I felt it would be a solo sport there, too. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, you know, this is a good question. My wife's been going, she's got osteoporosis, and so she's been going to the Y, and she's collecting new friends there, and uh, she's seen as her mission field. So it's just kind of like what you're talking about. So you almost got to be creative sometimes, depending on where you're at. When you're going to work every day and seeing different people, you know, you got a mission field built in. But sometimes not that way. So that's good. That's good. Um, Notice uh, verse 4. He says here, He's asking God to open a a door for the word, to speak. And then he says, That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Uh, He's asking for an open door to share the gospel, and then to the end that he would uh, speak as he ought to speak. Well, well, how do you suppose he ought to speak? Is any old way good enough? Clearly, I think that's a good word. Clearly, uh, speak clearly. Uh, without compromise, I think that's another thing. Of course, clearly would hopefully be without compromise. And then I think uh, in love, you know. Uh, you, you want all of those, those things there. Uh, you know, and then I think as we think about sharing the gospel, there are certain elements of the gospel we want to include right in a gospel presentation. There are certain things I think if you're, if you're really faithful to the gospel, you're going to include in a gospel presentation. I might call full gospel, right? Full gospel presentation. Uh, what do people need to hear as far as a clear presentation of the gospel? What do we need to cover with them? Yep. And she mentioned sin. We want to start there, right? I mean, you don't need Jesus if you're not a sinner. So we want to start with sin and then who Jesus is, right? And, and with that, we want to explain who Jesus is as, as God, as man. Uh, what else? What's that? Yeah. And now will go with sin, right? Uh, where you got a sin problem. You need to have a change of mind about your sin problem. You admit it, acknowledge you got a sin problem. And then who Jesus is? What else? Okay. What he's done, and I would I would emphasize grace with that, right? What Jesus has done is all about grace. So yeah, who he is, what he's done, his work on the cross, his grace work, and his resurrection, and then where do we want to what do we want to build to? Okay, I've sure yeah, Albert, yeah, and how do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> that's right, by faith. <laughs> I'm looking for faith. Yeah, I'm looking for faith. You have to believe. <laughs> that's right. It's by believing. Yeah, that's right. So we, we want to present that. And so we're praying for open doors that we might speak the message, be able to speak the message of Christ, and then speak as we ought to speak, speak clearly, uh, communicate the message very clearly. I'm always praying for clarity a lot of a lot of things in life yeah steve yeah um, is- yeah Right, uh, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, his his open door is right close to him. He also had freedom, though. Uh, you know, he was under house arrest. It does seem he had soldiers that he was chained to. He talks about, you know, uh, I'm in chains here. But he did have a certain freedom to teach. At the end of Acts, you know, he talks about uh, for two years he had freedom uh, to teach to wh- whoever's coming to him. So the class had to come to him, but I do think he had people coming uh, that would be taught, too. But you're right, I think, primarily. I mean, just imagine... It, Paul's got somebody chained to him for <laughs> hours at a time. They're switching out every few hours, these these soldiers. I mean, he's, he's having some opportunities there, for sure. All right. Anyone else? Okay, very good. Let's have somebody read verses uh, 5 and 6. Who wants to finish this out here? 5 and 6. Yeah, I need Okay, so here he really gets to the uh, outsiders. I mean, he's thinking about this all the way through here as he's asking about sharing the word. He's thinking about unbelievers. But now he's exhorting uh, the Colossian believers to walk in wisdom. Uh, Your walk is your conduct, how you live, uh, your lifestyle, uh, whole lifestyle. Walk in wisdom. Live in wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? How, How do you walk in wisdom? What is wisdom? Yeah, yeah, in a godly way, in a Christ-like way. Yeah, wisdom is really properly applying the truth to your life. And so, yeah, walk in, in wisdom uh, towards those that are outside. And, and of course, that's uh, a description of unbelievers, right? Uh, you got those inside, and you got those outside. And uh, the the unbeliever is outside, outside the family of God. And so he says, Walk in wisdom towards those that are outside. Be wise about how you're how you're handling yourself in reference to these unbelievers. Redeeming the time uh, to redeem means to deliver by paying a price. The idea here uh, is costly uh, redeeming the time. Uh, time is very precious, uh, uh, and so it, you, you know you have to decide how you're going to spend your time, and uh, you want to spend it wisely. Uh, and maybe sacrificially redeeming the time. Make the most of every opportunity is the idea. Time is fleeting, and there's an urgency. We want to be disciplined in how we use our time. Uh, walk in wisdom towards the other outside, redeeming the, making the most of the time. And then he says, uh, let your speech always be with grace. How you talk is important. And uh, we want to have the right tone. Uh, we want to be careful. We want to be tactful and, and winsome. Let your speech always be with grace. Grace is, of course, uh, unmerited favor. Uh, Gracious, uh, courteous, be kind. Uh, Don't respond in kind, but with kindness. Uh, In a Christ-like way, Uh, let your speech be always with grace. Say, well, always? Yeah, always. Let your speech be always with grace. It's easy to be short with people. I'm not sure that that's really with grace. Uh, Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. What does salt do? It adds flavor, right? It makes something tasteful. I mean, I like a little salt on stuff, especially stuff I don't like. Uh, (laughs) Cover it with enough salt, I'll eat it. Uh, uh, It preserves, too. It's a preservative, those two things. It it, uh, makes it tasty, and and it's a preservative. So that's right. We don't want our speech to be pungent, right? Uh, We don't want it to be uh, offensive, needlessly offensive. Uh, Now, it's kind of interesting balance here, right? Because our message by nature is often offensive, right? But there's a difference between the offense of the message and being offensive with our tone and our speech and so forth. Uh, So we don't want to be needlessly offensive, uh, we wanted our speech to be with grace and seasoned with salt. You know, I always think about that uh, guy who wrote that article, Well-Intended Dragons. Sometimes I think I can be, God's people can be well-intended dragons. I mean, we're out here, we're really taking a stand. But maybe, is there, is there grace? Is there salt in the mix here? Uh, or is, am I coming off in a harsh, harsh way here? Uh, I don't see harshness here. I see grace and seasoned with salt. I think sometimes uh, we almost get it backwards where we, we probably should be a little stronger in relationship to God's people and accountability where out here in the world we're not holding them accountable in that sense. Not that we compromise. We don't compromise the message. But we do, we do want our message, uh, our speech to be always with grace and seasoned with salt. Salt is the idea of tasteful. We want it to be presented in a, in a tasteful way. In in an attractive manner. Uh, Proverbs says this. There is one who speaks like piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Uh, You know, there's two different kinds of speech there. One who speaks, uh, I share this, you know, early as a young man, just early in the ministry, I went to a pastor's meeting. (laughs) This one pastor got up and says, what I'm going to say is going to cut. And he, he delivered. <laughs> By the time he was done speaking, the fellowship was broken. Uh, it was crazy. It was like one of the first meetings I went to as a pastor. It's like, wow, this is not healthy. Uh, there is one who speaks like piercings of a sword. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure how that fits with uh, uh, always with grace seasoned with salt. Uh, that's not how we're to be. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. But the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. So we want to be careful uh, how we talk uh, in relationship to the unbeliever. Um, some people share the truth, but they smack people with it. You know, uh, I think there may be a time for that, such as when Jesus dealt with the hardened Pharisees in Matthew 23. But the rule of thumb for most of life is to approach everyone with a tone of grace and, and a measure of salt. Sometimes it gravitates to rebuking. There's definitely a place for rebuking, which we read about in Matthew 23, etc. But it doesn't start there. It doesn't seem to me uh, we come in swinging. Um, There's definitely a place for rebuke. But uh, I think as we think about unbelievers in particular, which is where Paul's coming from here, we want our speech to be with grace and, and seasoned with salt. And then he says, this is your attitude, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We don't have a one-size-fits-all here. Uh, all kinds of different people, all kinds of different approaches. Kind of reminds me of fishing, you know. Uh, you have different strategies for trying to catch different kinds of fish, right? Same, always using bait, I guess, you know. But uh, there's there's different strategies that you may know how you ought to answer each one. One. Uh, in other words, uh, we want to be tactful. We want to be winsome. We want to be thoughtful. Uh, we want to be gracious. Uh, that's a, that's a effectually reaching out to people that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Uh, personal touch. You know, every situation's a little bit different. And uh, we want to be gracious. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.24-26 A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. To all. Gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So we want to be gentle to all, in humility correcting. And uh, this, this is to be the, the attitude that we have. Uh, just a few uh, thoughts to finish out here. The early church had huge obstacles. The citizens of the Roman Empire considered them atheists because they did not worship the gods of Rome or Greece. They were considered unpatriotic because they would not call Caesar Lord, but only bowed in worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were falsely accused of being immoral because of their love feasts. They were accused of being cannibals because word got out that they ate the body and drank the blood of the Lord. All kinds of slander and misrepresentation were rumored about. Uh, Huge obstacles. How do you overcome that? Living in the Roman Empire, all these obstacles. Well, here's the deal. How do you overcome that? They had no modern technology to assist them in their gospel mission. No TV, radio, tracks, magazines, or even bumper stickers. (laughs) Yet it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. How did this happen? Well, the reality of changed lives impacted the Roman Empire in the everyday lives of those early Christians. They were genuine. The reality of being new creations in Christ, being lived out forever, changed the whole of the Roman Empire. And so finally, uh, this is the stuff of New Testament Christianity. Nothing has changed. Where the church is effective in reaching out anywhere in the world is the place where God's people live lives that are saturated by prayer and they live out changed lives. Where the world around them sees the difference Jesus Christ makes in their lives. So we want to be real. And we want to be, you know, we want to put the the love of Christ on display to a watching world. I think uh, Peter and Paul speak of the same spirit when when Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope. Uh, Why are they asking, do you suppose? They see something's different in your life, and they, they see that you have hope, and so they're asking you a reason for the hope that you have. And uh, so we want to live in such a way that they ask. And then uh, he says, ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, with gentleness and fear. Again, uh, having, the, having the right spirit that's in keeping with, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Well, in short, we should live Christ-like lives that are attractive, that, that cause the, uh, the, the gospel to be adorned. And it's attractive in that sense. And when they see it in our lives, hopefully uh, we will be able to have them ask us, and then we can answer uh, for the hope that we have within us. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here? Okay, very good. Let's go ahead and share some uh, prayer requests here. Anybody need a prayer?